Hey guys, uh, I'm really excited about today's episode. We got uh, Josh here, the director of sales of Tendo. Um, Josh is an amazing human being and also has a wealth of knowledge on the sales side and also healthcare startups. So thank you very much, Josh, for uh, joining me today on this podcast. Yes, hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be on show number two and kudos <laughs> to you uh, for, for starting the podcast. That's no easy endeavor and excited to, uh, to dig into some, some cool digital health topics. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, giving me the push. You were one of the first people that I talked to about it. And uh, I'm really happy that it to come full circle and have you as a, on as a guest. So, uh, yeah. So if we can, if you can give, maybe give a little bit of background about you, what you've done, where you are, um, just, uh, and then we can start the conversation from there. Awesome. Yeah. So I've really spent my entire career uh, on the intersection of healthcare and sales. Um, so I've been super fortunate, wore lots of lots of different roles, started actually um, my foot in the door at Pharma, um, then transitioned into kind of the biotech genetics, and then really, you know, spent the last six to, uh, you know, six, six to seven years in the uh, venture-backed digital health world. So um, I've had lots of different experiences and um, have kind of, you know, seen all the different pillars um, and worked with both provider groups as well as health systems and payers. So have kind of seen it all in that regard. That's awesome, man. Um, so can we maybe we can start off by talking a little bit about the company you work for currently, Tendo Health, um, actually T Tendo. Uh, and then uh, and you the reason why I'm really interested about this company is because when we talked about it before, you were you were discussing how like the founders did a lot of back end research uh, before creating the company. And if you could go into a little bit about that and also what Tendo uh, provides. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, full disclosure, I'm, you know, I'm super new to the role, but, uh, you know, excited and learning every day um, and had a fortunate opportunity to kind of join a, re a really great team, um, some established software veterans. Um, but yeah, really quickly on Tendo. Um, so Tendo is actually a brother and sister founder. So Dan and Jen Goldsmith, um, they're kind of um, you know, gurus in the um, in, in, in the software space, the SaaS space. Um, they were kind of early stage and involved with Viva. Um, they were involved in Instructure, um, which is now kind of you probably know a little bit more Canvas in the education space, building you know technology platforms there. And yeah, um, being a part of when I had the conversation about joining with Tendo, I really appreciated that they kind of went on a listening tour and you know really tried to understand uh, what both patients, clinicians, caregivers kind of needed um, in terms of finding a solution in healthcare, which I thought number one was you know super super unique. Um, but yeah, they really were able to um, kind of narrow down and and, and helping create uh, a seamless experience um, for both clinicians, patients, and caregivers kind of throughout the entire care journey. Um, so it's somewhat simplistic in nature, but as I'm sure you're you know you're aware of being kind of on the front lines. Um, it certainly hasn't, um, you know, been in anything but seamless. And so um, they kind of assembled a team. Um, you know, we like to call it the kind of intersection of, of healthcare uh, with some Silicon Valley DNA. Um, so I've been super impressed with the team so far. There, we're probably a little bit over 100 employees. Uh, I just joined. It's been, you know, a month, which in startup years, I'm, you know, basically a seasoned veteran at this point. Um, but, you know, been super impressed with, with all the work the team's done kind of um, really two years into it. Um, uh, lots of lots of deep talent that help build platforms like Salesforce, Workday, um, you know, some of the some of the tools and platforms that we kind of use in our everyday life um, or I use and, and a lot of people use in their everyday life. So um, been been very impressed with kind of the approach and excited to um, really help take them out of um, their stealth mode, so to speak, kind of into the new year. Yeah, I mean, I have no doubt that you are definitely going to help them get out uh, out, the, out the gates, uh, busting on doors. Um, so could you give us a little bit of a background of what Tendo is and what they provide, like what kind of services are they providing? Yeah, so um, at this more simplistic version, really, um, you know, Tendo was kind of founded to create that better and more seamless experience kind of using technology. Um, you know, right now, currently, it's kind of a mobile first application um, with the idea to build, you know, a platform um, to help create, you know, opportunities of scale kind of all across the, um, the care journey, right? And so, you know, really, we're a software platform um, built to help with the patient experience, kind of leverage analytics to help with the clinician experience. Um, so the approach is really working um, the past two years very deeply with a couple of health systems 
um, to foundational customers, um, which is somewhat unique, right? Because I'm sure, you know, there's some other, um, you know, ways uh, to, to go about the partnership uh, focused on the health system, help really drive kind of you know, deep adoption, deep listening, uh, deep understanding, um, and then kind of, you know, really building something that um, ultimately can be rolled out and is very intuitive on the patient side, right? And so um, I think there's a couple areas where I've seen um, a cool opportunity is, you know, one, one of our first foundational customers is really replacing a lot of the um, point of care solutions to kind of have, you know, one, um, you know, patient facing way to interact, seek schedule care, um, and then also to being able to really go into certain specialty areas and, and drive that care navigation um, and kind of using Tendo as the way that patients interact um, and then everything else on the clinician side is kind of done through the EMR or in some cases multiple different EMRs and all of that information is presented um, in, in kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek way of an open table you know, type feel, things going into Google Calendar. So there's some delighters in terms of that um, that are going to be ex expanded, but there's a lot of kind of back-end work um, to make sure that all that information is kind of flowing. Um, so for the patient, it, it, it makes it very seamless. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. Uh, so would you kind of describe it right now as Tendo is kind of like a digital front door? Yeah, I think that there's 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 lots of you know there's lots of front doors, there's side doors, there's you know a million different doors in in, in, in healthcare, right? Um, a good way to a good way to think about it, and uh, it's funny because you know our, our VP Graham, you know, jokes we were out at Health, and um, it was actually the first week that I that, that I started at Tendo, which is quite a unique way to uh, you know to start with a new role. And so the running joke was everybody would ask me what Tendo was, and I would you know <laughs> I would kind of laugh and be like, well, let me you know let me ask you about your problem. But, you know, a good way to think about it is, you know, from an airline industry using kind of Delta as an example. I mean, imagine, you know, as a patient or imagine if you went to your Delta app and you had a different app to schedule your flight, a different app to check into your flight, a different app to pay for your flight. You don't even really know, you know, what your what your flight costs, but you have to go to a different app to maybe, you know, search around for that and then, you know, pick your seats and so on. Right. And so it's kind of a, you know, a simplistic way to put it. Right. But, um, you know, we, we kind of talk a lot of those inefficiencies and in, in, in our own everyday life. So it's really trying to bring some of those foundational you know, consumer ways um, to do everything before care and then navigating after care, as well as kind of, you know, being a patient um, when, when you're kind of actually on care. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny how we are really quick to like switch apps or whatever, to go to the new best thing that'll make our life easier. But in healthcare, we, it's like almost we're like glutton for punishments. Like we want to make it as more complicated as possible. And as much as I love digital health and I, I'm a huge digital health proponent, but one thing that scares me a little bit, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, is just the fragmentation of the ecosystem. And I use the word ecosystem like deliberately because I think a lot of digital health startups don't see healthcare as an ecosystem. They just see their slice of the pie. And the thing that I'm hearing from you and which, which I'm appreciative from the clinician side at least is uh, you guys are really you guys are really cognizant of the fact that, hey, we don't want to just have them use eight different apps for one thing. We're going to try to make make the experience as streamlined as possible, which uh, from the clinician side is, you know, music to our ears. It's, it's just a matter of, you know, execution and so on and so forth, which I, I you know, I'm sure you guys will have zero issues uh, knowing the team that's behind it, behind the the product. Yeah. And, and, and I think personally, it's, I kind of, you know, you and I met um, when I was much more immersed, um, you know, the past the, you know, five to six years kind of in the remote monitoring space before it was cool as well as hospital at home. Um, so now it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, cool to, to me to come full circle and be um, and learn on the patient experience space. And there's certainly kind of the status quo. I think there's a lot of people innovating. COVID obviously changed a lot um, when it comes down to you know, the, the need for this, um, you know, and, and, and I love that you use ecosystem and, you know, so far you've been putting my, you know, remote monitoring hat on or, or something like that, you know, anytime using the ecosystem analogy, um, you know, if you take the deliver of care outside the four walls of the hospital, that's great, right? But then, you know, like any other ecosystem, when you kind of take from one, there's a compounding effect into the other, right? And I, I don't think necessarily that everybody um, on, on either side of the digital health and provider side and or um, the innovator side, they, they necessarily, you know, think about that, right? If we, if we take from this, that's, you know, great, 
well, for some people, right, for the people on the hospital at home team, the RPM team, that's great, but who else is um, being affected by that? And, and what is that impact, right, from a change management perspective, from a you know, technology debt perspective? And so um, there's, there's definitely a give and take, uh, but I think a lot of what, um, what I've seen in my, um, in my experience working, you know, most recently with health systems is there's a lot of really brilliant people, both on the innovation side, as well as the provider side that are kind of, you know, coming at it with some really, you know, really cool ways um, to think about it that way. Hey, we might be taking away from here. Um, we have to do more with less, um, but it is a true ecosystem, right? You can't just add and think that everything else on the back end is going to be the same and vice versa. Yeah, hundred percent. I think right now, healthcare, not right now, it has been for a little bit. It's just been, <clears throat> everyone just keeps adding, 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 and it's just kind of a mishmash of things kind of working together, but not really. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad like, you know, companies like your, you know, Tendo and other companies are coming out. They're starting to see that also healthcare providers and healthcare executives are starting to see that too. And they're like, Hey, we need to really unify rather than fragment, which um, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. Obviously I understand that, but you know, at least you need to be thinking about it. You know, it wasn't a thought before, but now at least it's a forefront, you know, because it's, it's, a, it is affecting patient engagement, patient care, uh, you know, the, you know, burnout from physicians, pharmacists, whoever, nursing staff. So I'm glad to hear that. And it's also a pretty good segue into, you know, the sales side of um, the digital health startup. So like I mentioned, you're the director of sales at Tendo. You've had, you've had other uh, sales roles, uh, director roles at other healthcare startups that you've been at. Um, and you've been very successful. So what, how do I say this? What is, what was one thing when you, got into the healthcare startup sales side that was surprising to you? And then also what is something that you could tell healthcare startups as they're starting up, like to expect on the sales side? Because I think that's one thing that everyone struggles with. Uh, so, you know, I have you on here, you know, might as well pick your brain a little bit about that. It's a little bit selfish on my end as well. So. No, it's, it's, it's a great question, right? And, it, and I, I try to think back, man, maybe even college, if you would have told me that number one, I was doing sales, and then number two, I was doing healthcare sales, you know, I think the odds on that would have been, um, you know, far reaching, right? So it's kind of, you know, funny how you, um, you, you got to stumble into it, right? I remember going door to door, you know, in high school selling, uh, you know, my mom, my mom would have to uh, <laughs> convince me to go sell, you know, the little Domino's, Papa John's, uh, you know, coupons, and I used to dread it, right? So the thought of, you know, being in sales never really dawned on it. No, but I'm, I'm super fortunate. I, I think one of the most, you know, unique experiences for me is when I got started. Um, I, you know, obviously foot in the door, but um, I really started off um, the first part of my sales career um, being able to um, really see kind of how a doctor's office worked, right? And so um, I wouldn't necessarily at that time say, you know, Fargo was super hardcore hunter sales, but um, it allowed me, I think throughout my career, I've had lots of different ways of being able to see how a doctor's office worked, see how primary care and, you know, office in rural North Carolina, from the front desk to the nursing staff to the MA staff and, um, you know, the physicians, kind of what their everyday life was. And um, now when I, when I ventured into the tech side of things, I think it really allowed, you know, when I started at, at Optimize was kind of my first digital health, I would say VC back. That was um, at that time, you know, joined, uh, you know, Jeff and, Jerry Bars and the optimized team, um, you know, when RPM was really at its early stages, um, which kind of seems crazy, but I mean, that was 2018, 2019, um, you know, but, but there, a, a lot of it was, you know, was educating providers on, you know, these things called the RPM codes, which, you know, RPM is kind of a mainstay now, but back then I used to have to, you know, to spell out what remote patient monitoring was, you know, RPM, um, you know, and I remember, <laughs> A doctor probably in rural Georgia looked at me and said, you know what, Josh, this seems like a great idea, but, you know, Medicare, you know, has done this before, they give this reimbursement, we're going to, you know, invest in all of these, um, you know, all of these blood pressure monitors, and then they're going to go some different way, right, because that's kind of the status quo, and as you and I know, I think COVID changed, you know, a lot of that, um, but I think from a sales perspective, um, you know, really what's been super valuable is being able to, you know, understand at various different points, you know, both the the day in the life of the clinician, right? I, I certainly don't, you know, have, haven't gone to med school, but, you know, I, I, I kind of knew once I got in there and started selling technology to provider groups, um, it allowed me to understand, you know, as we're trying to figure out the blend in, in startup world of, you know, what can our, pro what challenge can our, um, 
you know, what challenge are we solving with our technology? And then, you know, how, how do we make it work? You know, well, a lot of times when we're going into those conversations, you know, I kind of put my hat on of, well, how would this actually work of getting a patient hooked up? You know, if there's, you know, not enough staff in the, in the office, right? What happens if the EMR isn't working at the beginning of the day? Um, I remember going down, you know, in, in rural North Carolina and in, in quite quite literally before COVID, you know, helping set up, you know, a blood pressure, a cellular blood pressure on a patient and getting them enrolled and educating, you know, kind of alongside with the doctors and the, and the MAs, you know, and that was launching an RPM program, right? And you have this, all this technology and it seems sexy, but, um, you know, but, but really at the core, it was being able to, um, you know, to understand that impact it had on that individual patient, that family. And um, as high tech as it was, it was kind of, you know, blood pressure that um, allowed, you know, the doctor, the family and everybody to, um, you know, to understand the impact of the technology. Right. And so, you know, fast forward as I've gone through. You know, a lot of that I, I, I use I use that to hopefully help understand at various different points the patient perspective, the clinician perspective, and and, and it really is focused on solving um, their problems um, and understanding the problems. And so, you know, I think that that's been a unique experience because I think what I've seen sometimes on the tech side is, um, and and there's different ways and different approaches, but I think sometimes that can be missing on being able to really understand and connect of you know, how does a doctor's office work? You know, even, even I think the, the, the most brilliant people um, without having that experience or understanding, you know, how are we really going to, you know, not only sell this technology, but then implement it, right? And how do we work cross-functionally in a startup with our client success team? And it's kind of one of those sales, particularly in a startup where it's not like the contract gets signed. It's like, ooh, oh, on to the next yeah. one, right? It's almost like you're living it, you know, 24 by seven in a good way, right? You know, you're kind mm -hmm. of, the work really starts once once they sign the contract, but there is a lot of work, particularly in the health system, um, you know, to get there. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that um, what you mentioned there is kind of, I think exactly why you're really successful in sales is understanding and like really empathizing. You know, I think the word empathy gets thrown around a lot, right? But I don't think people really understand the word, what it means, right? It's not feeling bad for somebody, but it's really understanding what they're going through, good or bad, right? And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, learning what the doctor's offices are doing, what the nurses are going through, you know, seeing what the patients are going through. I think with a lot of, not a lot, I mean, there's a good amount of health tech startups that start with amazing, I mean, I think all of them start with great intentions, right? They they had an experience, either them or their family member had an experience, and it was just not a good experience. And they're like, hey, I want to solve this problem. And what happens is they try to solve that problem, and when they try to solve the solution, they're told like, okay, this is just not going to work or like people like, or they'll ask people like me and then I'll ask them questions and they'll get mad at me or whatever. But they, they don't, they only see like the last part of the chain, right? There, there's just so many things that go wrong before then that even if you solve that last part, you're still going to have the same issue happening over and over again because you haven't solved all the upstream issues. And I think that that is where some digital startups not shouldn't say fail, but they they kind of lack in, and they it takes them a little bit to do that. And so it's better to do that in the front end and really like figure out what it is and do the research. And I mean, you might have the greatest solution in the world. I mean, for example, like I had a startup that was a digital. It was digital startup about you know telehealth and cloud based EMRs. But this was eight years ago, and no one trusted the cloud. Or you know, they, I was flat out told that hey. Um, Telehealth is never going to work. Like you know, flat out told that, <laughs> and it, and I and I'm a clinician, and I knew that it would work. But it, the problem was, it's just it was, it was a great idea, and I, I think if I had it, stuck with it a little bit, probably would have been sitting on an island with my hundred, couple hundred million dollars of, of funding. But uh, but you know, to your point, you have to really empathize with all parties involved in healthcare. Such a unique experience because there's so many players in that take, you know, it's, you have the patient, the providers, and then all the other people like scheduled. There's just so many hands in the pot that you really need to create something that all of them can kind of make their life easier. Like, you know, kind of back to the ecosystem thing, right? If you make the patient's life easier, sometimes that doesn't make the provider's life easier. And if you're trying to sell a solution, you know, if the provider's not pushing your solution, then you don't have a solution. You just have a barrier, you know? So um, it's good, you know, like I said, that that's, probably why you're so good at sales because you understand that side of it. Well, yeah. And I think that, you know, so I was thinking about it before you and I you know, talked from a, from a startup sales lens, I think that there's, 
there, there's lots of different, as you said, digital health, there's different, you know, approaches to, you know, to startup and sales. I think that, you know, I've been unique to kind of, you know, come in at three different roles, you know, Optimize Health, then, you know, at Bioformis and now at Tendo in the unique position, um, almost, you know, call it the, the, the first sales hire, but there's lots of selling that has gone on, you know, prior to me, right? And normally that's started by, you know, the founder, the leadership team, you know, very, you know, sometimes even some contract people have come in. And so, you know, I'm not the first one to, you know, create, um, you know, a golden strategy or anything like that. But, you know, when I started to think about it, there is kind of, you know, three to me key, you know, components of, you know, being successful in, in, in that startup role, right? And it's really strategy, people, and process, right? If I had to narrow it down. And, you know, so unpacking some of those from a strategy perspective, I think it's, um, it, it's super helpful. Um, normally, when you go into a startup role, you know, particularly in digital health, um, there's there there is you know there's lots of strategy. There's lots of you know hey we consulted. There's you know lots of slides saying here's what we do, here's how we do it, right? But I think it's you know super important to make sure that you know that, that you understand and that you're aligned with you know the, the founder, the CEO, the leadership on what is our strategy and what's kind of our short term our long-term strategy, um, and, and that could change, you know, hopefully it doesn't change, you know, weekly and monthly, but, you know, in typical startup, you have to be number one, okay, you know, with that pivot and change, but to keep the communication, you know, to, to give you a good example, um, you know, when, when we were at Optimize, we, we, we realized you know, from a strategy perspective that, you know, that, that we could really impact, um, you know, finding the business problem, well, we could really solve, you know, for helping, you know, provider practice groups, Kind of in a fee-for-service world, you know, deliver and execute at a high level um, with our remote patient monitoring technology, right? And so I think being able to hyper-focus on we are really good at doing that. We could help with the automation of the billing, and you know, everybody, you know, had we gone and tried to chase down health systems or, you know, or or other other avenues, it could have you know, could have been distracting. But we we got really hyper-focused and we executed the strategy on just you know helping provider practice groups. It could be small. Um, but have a big impact and, and help them, you know, one provider groups get, you know, hundreds of patients on, you know, multi-provider groups get thousands of patients on. But I think being able to, if you do, you know, if you are in that space, being able to understand when the strategy changes, um, you know, if you're in the health system space, right, maybe it's everybody, I mean, everybody wants to drive revenue, but, you know, maybe it's super important to get, you know, certain types of logos or certain service lines. And, you know, there's really going to be a short and long-term, you know, effect on that. But um, being able to execute on that strategy, I think it's, it's, it's super critical, especially when you're starting with a you know, handful of customers, idea to customers, you know, multiple customers, and it's going to evolve, right? Um, it's evolved, you know, both as your product matures, but also too, as, as your team matures, um, you know, and then I think the most from a people perspective, you know, that's, that's kind of the, my probably favorite part of being at a, at a startup, right. Is you're, I, I've gotten the opportunity to work with lots of different you know, sales leaders, founders, um, learned a tremendous amount of product and data science. So there's kind of an element of internal people and that feedback loop is you know, super critical being able to understand you know, where are we at right now? What's the roadmap? What are our limitations? Who's using us? You know, why are those customers using us? You kind of have to, you know, sometimes make lots of lemonade with, you know, only a couple lemons, right? If you only have, you know, a couple, but then I think that you get really, you know, really creative on understanding you know, even the most simplest, uh, you know, business problems, right? Um, or you yourself get understand that, hey, maybe it's not even, you know, really solving their challenges. It, it doesn't involve our product, right? Like when I was at, you know, Bioformis, a lot of times it was conversations. The conversation would start about hospital at home and the economic impacts and, and arming, you know, a lot of the health systems as they became eligible for hospital at home with, you know, just just information on how to build, how to scale, how to launch. And, and none of that had to do with my product. It had to do with just understanding that, you know, a lot of times on the other end, the, the people had, uh, they were trying to prove to their board or, you know, or their leadership team that this was kind of a, a good idea. So you kind of became um, a nice resource of information that had nothing to do with product, but um, being able to, you know, understand and having kind of, you know, good, good people skills, both internally in a startup, as well as externally and kind of building out your network. I mean, you and I connected from a LinkedIn perspective, there's lots of ways, you know, to kind of get involved and, and, and be a subject matter leader and expert. Um, but then I think from a people perspective, I mean, I've been super fortunate to, 
kind of get a MBA crash course, you know, working with the various different startups and leaders that, you know, kind of have a wealth of knowledge and being able to put that together. And then, you know, the final, um, the final one process uh, to me is the, is, is probably the most important, right? And, you know, I kind of come from a sports, you know, sports mentality, but, um, you know, I think once you start to understand from a sales perspective, you know, that process, and there's many, you know, LinkedIn gurus out there, I found, you know, the best advice I've seen is, um, is, is take a lot of those resources, and there are a lot of them out there, and being able to kind of create your own process, right? Uh, but be open to, you know, to altering that process. But, you know, I think for, for a startup, being able to understand, you know, how do I get people into the conversation, right? So, you know, there's no shortcut for a lot of, you know, work on outbound, but, you know, there's ways you can connect, there's ways you can, you know, use references, there's ways you can um, kind of in my current role say, you know, hey, I'm new to the space, educate me, right? And you know, take me under your wing. I, I, I want to understand what's kind of going on with the patient experience space or the hospital home space. Um, but then throughout that thread, um, there's kind of a, a, a cool way to create the process, understand what works. Um, there's automation, you know, technologies there with, you know, the outreaches, the gongs, the you know, HubSpots of the world. And um, those can be great, right? But I think it's, it's, it's like a lot of, um, it's, it's understanding kind of the business problem, um, can you solve it? Because I think that's the other thing. If, if, if I go around and I'm undercover in all these business problems and my startup can't solve it, maybe I'm either A, talking to the wrong people, or B, you know, we need to go focus in another area. Um, but then I think sometimes there's, oh, I can solve that. But then you're either not talking to the right person or that problem doesn't matter at a leadership level, right? And I think that there was, you know, there, there was some of that that can happen, right, is being able to say, okay, we solved this, you know, we solved this for someone or, or we can solve this, you know, business problem, but then that business problem not mattering from a financial perspective um, or clinical perspective or, you know, it just kind of being a hot button. I think particularly as you go a little bit more upstream and sell to the health system, um, they have a lot of no shortage of challenges, right? Um, there's potentially a lot of solutions, but it's it's kind of making sure that that you know you're not only solving that you can solve for that, but then also too it it makes a difference to the right people, right? So um, we joke, I'm you know, the process is super you know more important to, than the results, right? Um, which is sometimes hard because particularly at a startup, like you want to get you know wins, um, you know. But I think that you know from what I've seen is if you have a good you know solid process, um, then everything else will kind of work itself out in terms of you know upsell. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think you touched on a really important point, and I, I want to circle back to it. Is you know solving the right problem. I mean, you could be solving again, kind of going back to you know you had the experience, and you think that that is the you know you're solving like an immense problem in your head. But when you actually go talk to leadership, hospitals, providers, whoever, right, whoever you're trying to sell to, and that's like problem number. 15 for them right and they're like uh it's great you can solve it love it you know but we have bigger fish to fry this is like and i think that's really important to kind of think of and that kind of goes back to discovery again right really going and empathizing with what's going on what what are their biggest issues where are they tripping up the most is it the solution that you have in your mind or is it something else and i think a lot of people could save a lot of time and headache if they just even just interviewed somebody and just you know just reached out to somebody and said, hey, you know, can you walk me through a day or something? Just as something as simple as that. But um, I also yeah. wanted to, you'll go ahead. No, sorry. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, and there's, I think that if you, if you, if you check any software sales, you know, it's discovery, discovery, discovery. But, you know, I think particularly as the, as the buyer, I would say um, they, they're, they're actually, you know, the health system, you know, there's a lot of you know, very innovative, smart teams that are involved in this project, right? So it doesn't have to be the, what are your biggest, what keeps you up at night, right? I think it's more dynamic than that. I think people have evolved. I think the system has evolved where, you know, it's kind of particularly in the health system where you, know, you could be talking to five or six different teams, right? It's being able to, you know, to uncover what's more, most, most important to them and be able to tie, you know, tie some ROI or tie why your solution, you can help to that. Um, but also to being able to keep track of that through the, through the thread, right? So, you know, there's, by the end, it's, you said this, you know, we can solve for this, you know, here's all the ROI drivers for that. Here's the pain point. And, you know, typically it's going to be, you know, a one to, you know, one to five, you know, PowerPoint slide, you know, full of things that we're solving from a clinical ROI perspective. Um, and then I've been there where you do all that, it makes all sense. And, you know, for reasons outside of your control, they go with vendor Y, right? And so that's kind of, you know, where 
uh, the, the unfair portion about it, right? But I think you do that, and then you're able to fall for that. You're going to win more than you would. Yeah, one, and that's another th important thing I think you really brought up is sometimes, um, you know, as, as much as I've been saying, hey, you know, talk to people and figure out what the problem is, sometimes, you know, we, like in my consulting work, I, one thing I learned is just shut up and listen. And like I've been, sometimes they bring, I, I like come in and they want to solve problem X. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay, I'll just keep asking them questions. And I'm just not, I, I try not to come in with my own preconceived notions. And this, the reason for this is what I'm about to say now. It's because you, you start talking to them and you start, they start walking you through what the problem is and what's going on. And then you, you kind of find out that that might not be their exact problem. It might be something else, right? And kind of, you know, it's it, it, they might think it's like a really big problem, but they can't really solve that problem unless they solve problem number eight, right? And and I think that's what we need to do is we just need, to, it's just all about listening and empathy, kind of going back to the word empathy. I'm using that a lot. I sound like a UX designer right now, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, you know, like you mentioned, it's dynamic, you know, just because you're, they're bringing you in for problem number, problem X, it might not be problem X. And, and just because you might not, ha just because you might not have a solution that solves that problem number X, but if you just talk to them and kind of discover something, maybe your solution will, will fix problem number X, but just in a different roundabout way. But it's just, it's up to you to figure out, figure that out a, and then B, you know, and then, you know, the elephant in the room money how who's going to pay for it how is it going to and then why is it important to them you know if you're if you're increasing their roi or something by one percent it doesn't really matter i mean you need to really show some real good um roi for for them and yourself right you also don't want to be giving stuff away for free and you know you're working hard to do that so but yeah no that's uh i mean what you mentioned it's it's it's, it's really interesting and i see a lot of people kind of struggle with that i mean i struggle with that too sometimes i'm not saying i'm some guru or anything i'm no salesperson but uh, no, it's just no, something no, not, interesting. not at all yeah no i mean it's, i think like a, a great example right is, is is you go in and and you know the question is can you can, can you integrate with our emr right and i'm sure that <laughs> millions of you know of the digital health companies out there get that right it's you know and then kind of putting my rpm hat can you integrate with the emr and you know and what type of you know vitals you know, can you, um, can you measure, right? Or, you know, what, what is the value of AI? And, you know, typically it would be, okay, let's go and let's get to the nuts and bolts of, you know, showing you how we integrate into the EMR and, you know, all of, you know, the fire HL7. But, you know, I think that taking a step back, what I've realized is, okay, why are they asking that question? Um, you know, but, but then the talk track can be much, much more powerful of telling the story of, you know, is this needed to kind of to take this project live, right? Particularly for a new project, you know, to use hospital home as, as an example, um, you know, it's, it's such a new care delivery model. So, you know, taking a step back, you know, you could have just answered that question very tactically and said, oh yeah, here's all the ways we can go HL7 and fire. But um, but really a good way to, to, to describe it is, you know, here's an example of a health system that, yes, we can integrate with the EMR, but here's why they didn't want to, because they wanted to help with the change management. This was a brand new program. Um, it allowed by, by, you know, by going with the technology and just allowing this project to launch without EMR integration, um, it was able to help, you know, save the hospital, um, you know, X amount um, with, with redirecting, you know, those patients, um, you know, helping with some, you know, with getting free and up some of those beds. There's a really ROI driven model with that. Um, but also too, the clinicians were able to understand um, from a change management perspective, how to use the technology, how to deliver care outside the home from a hospital home perspective. And then it allowed them a greater understanding to, to, to really understand what needed to be integrated into the EMR. You know, so, you know, there's an example of, you know, telling a story. Oh, and by the way, instead of, you know, Josh saying this, here's our medical director of hospital at home, they could say the same thing as me, right? But, you know, their physician themselves have kind of, you know, been in through it. So I think that a lot of times as you go through, particularly the health system in a more enterprise sale, you know, my job is to kind of bring people in and out of, you know, the funnel from a team perspective and so arming yourselves. And, and a lot of startups have great teams with great experience. So, you know, I'm going to highlight the, the people that have the clinical experience, the technical experience, you know, but a lot of times it's understanding and unpacking really what's the root cause of that. They don't really want to integrate. They would rather, you know, help help do this quicker. Here's an example of somebody that did it. Here's the financial, you know, benefit with not necessarily integrating day one, um, but then having the understanding and the thread on the back end. Okay, when this is successful, 
you know, here's the financial dr drivers that we can show. Here's the proof point that we can show from hospital leadership perspective. Oh, in addition, we can really understand from a clinician and, and technical perspective what needs to be integrated, right? So a lot of times it's re restructuring and unpacking questions. Um, but again, it's not just having solutions. It's tying ROI to solutions, but then also to sharing, you know, some of, of what other people have done and done successfully. Yeah, no, for sure. I think you gave a lot of people PTSD by asking the question, does this integrate with, with our EMI? That's what I tell people. That's like the first question you'll ever get asked. You have to better have a very good answer as to if you don't. Uh, no, that's really interesting um, that 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 one hospital system did that. They didn't integrate. And to me, that's, you know, that's kind of crazy. But it, I mean, it makes sense the way you, way you mentioned it. But I also want to touch on sales cycles. I think that's one thing that people that are not in healthcare get really, it kind of blindsides them at how long sales cycles are. Uh, can you touch on, you know, just general sales cycles in healthcare, how you kind of deal with it? And, um, you know. Yeah, so there's the, the, the sales cycle. Well, I think the, the first is you know is, is understanding kind of who who your buyer is who who are you selling into um and sometimes i think particularly for a role you know what i've seen is it's just as important for you know for the company from a hiring perspective to going back to the strategy portion to really understand that and then everything else is going to you know dictate how you you know which type of reps that you bring in you know what they want to do and you set that expectation um you know because i think if you're selling to provider practice and provider groups right you know using my experience you know when i was kind of at optimize you know those could be 30 to you know 45 day cycles where um you know typically you know, typically the doctor or physician practice there was you know office manager or owner physician and they'd either a make a decision or b you know, most likely not make a decision, you know, sometimes, um, but, but, but typically you would know that kind of within a short time frame. you know, anytime you get into, you know, selling to a health system um, or payer, uh, that's really where the sales cycles become, you know, to be determined, right? And, and I think everybody knows that, but, um, but particularly with, you know, with, with newer tech, you know, newer technologies or, or newer, um, you know, in, in the present of RPM or hospital at home, you're not only kind of you know, a startup trying to go and sell something to a health system, but you're also in a lot of cases, you know, helping them do something that they've never done before, right? And so, uh, and, and and so that that certainly there there could be some you know events that help them move a little bit quicker, um, but for some people, you know, from a sales perspective, um, they like to either a have the process and understand, okay, you know, I, I don't mind waiting a year or two years, but I know that you know kind of understand here's the buying process here's the people that i need to talk to and at the end of the day they're going to choose you know one of three right and and, and i have a 33 percent chance of doing it and and all that fun stuff you know the digital health side and i'm sure it drives you know vc boards crazy and founders you know pull it out there where it, it, it's much more to be determined right and, and nothing happens quickly but um, i think that there's ways to um you know to accelerate but you know as a sales perspective um, I think being a good sales salesperson in that startup is really understanding. Going back to discovery, is um, there is value in making a decision quickly. I mean, nobody likes the dreaded P word pilot, right? But there are you know certain elements of being able to understand. You know, is there a way that I can you know that that I can get something started? Something you know is better than nothing, right? Especially if you have a product that. You know, if it works in one service line, can expand, you know, across a health system, then that's worth, you know, starting something in six months and then expanding in two years, right? Uh, but then there's some some buyers, and a lot of times it's just a simple question of, you know, of what type of technology have you purchased? You know, what what is going to be similar to this and kind of understanding how they buy, um, what's their internal process. Um, but that can that can certainly, particularly in the health system, nothing happens quickly, and I don't think that's going to drastically change even with uh, the advent of technology. But I do think that um, you know coming into 2023, being able to you know, kind of really understand and show um, you know return on investment. Um, you know, if you're selling kind of a more clinical product, being able to show that clinical. Um, you know, that clinical data that your technology um, particularly can move the needle, I think is going to be super impactful. And then I think from a sales perspective, it's uh, going back to, you know, going back to internally, it's being able to align, 
you know, how you, with your leadership, with your strategy of what's important to us, is it, you know, re- revenue is important to any business, right? And any salesperson, but there's lots of different ways to do it. I think short term, when you're really starting out, are new system logos important? Are, you know, number of patients important? Are getting kind of thought leaders, if we really need a cardiology, you know, thought leader, um, are there ways to, again, go leverage your leadership and say, hey, they can move quickly. You know, I know our terms are X. Let's, you know, can, can we just, you know, can we meet them where they are? They'll be able to move quickly at X. And so I think there's a lot of those internal back and forth. And so I think being able to stay you know, super connected with your you know, founder or leadership team or sales sales leadership team and being able to all execute and execute quickly and in quotation marks, you know, that quickly could, you know, be six months instead of, you know, 12 months. And so that's, that's better than nothing. Um, a small piece of the pie, particularly when, you know, when a lot of these you know, new technologies are, whether they want to call it or not, they're, they're, they could be enterprise level contracts, but they're kind of, you know, land and expand, they're prove it, they're, you know, phase one is, is what we used to say instead of, you know, pilots, right? And um, to a certain extent, you have to go, you have to be able to believe in your, you know, customer success team or your ability to execute. And hopefully, I think going from the beauty of the, you know, the health system is you can really impact and, um, and, and kind of impact a large amount of patient population, depending on your technology and what you're selling, um, you know, with a smaller one. But I think being able to understand who you're selling to um, and from a strategy perspective, um, it's really important um, when you're thinking about the sales and when you're thinking about getting into sales, because I know some people, you know, want the, you know, want to get into the digital health and sales and, you know, they tell me, hey, I love selling in person and I tell them I do too, right? But this is maybe not the role for you, right? Because a lot of the, you know, the proof of value and selling and a lot of the, you know, kind of the nitty gritty and, you know, prospecting that happens digitally and then once you kind of prove enough value then you go in and you're help closing things um, and for some people they'd rather you know, they, they'd rather go around and leverage relationships and build relationships in person right but maybe maybe that isn't the best role for them right uh, and, and also for the startup it's not maybe the, you know the best person right and so there's a lot of that you know, figuring figuring it out but uh, but you you show me technology to help you know to help drive a faster health system um, you know, sale and, and, and then you'll be into those triple digits. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, 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 uh, helping me segue really easily. Uh, <laughs> uh, the thing is, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, that's awesome. Like what is, what have you found as the best way to prospect or, you know, like with, with startups, right? That's one of the hardest things that they, how do they get in? You know, how do you get into a health system or a provider group? Like what have you found has been the, Thing that works best for you you mentioned initially on like the digital side like do you use linkedin do you like eat cold email people like what what is your i mean if you don't have to really reveal any industry secrets or anything but uh but what have you found that works best for you especially like if you're just starting out like, you know a startup starting out they have no idea where to start like where would you say okay start with this first i saw on linkedin today and it, it was funny because you were know, we gonna have this conversation you know there's there's no shortcut to sales right but um, you know, and I'm sure you played Mario Kart like me, you know, like in Mario Kart, there's, there's certain boosters, right? And that really resonated with me because, you know, there certainly isn't shortcuts, you know, working hard and, and, and there's lots of different ways to do it. But you know, to me, there are some, you know, some boosters. I think, you know, one of the ones that stand out is, um, you know, is building that network and, and, you know, obviously, you know, LinkedIn is a powerful place, um, but not only just to, you know, to build a network with people authentically, um, but also to, to kind of understand and, and take away um, other people's experience with best practices, right? Um, and I always tell people to, you know, to, to kind of keep a catalog of, you know, best practices, both the technology, people, and, um, and then make it, you know, make it fit to whatever you're selling, right? I don't think that it's great to, you know, to, to, to buy a course and do exactly because a lot of times it's going to be apples to oranges, particularly in healthcare. You know, if somebody says, hey, here's how you LinkedIn prospect, here's the five tips to do X, Y, and Z, well, well only one or two of those tips might work, right? But one or two of those tips from one person and then um, segueing that to another one. So there's certainly no silver bullet. I think for me, it's being able to, you know, going back to those boosters, um, leverage your um, your founding team and kind of your your leadership team. I mean, those are powerful relationships that they normally have. And or, um, you know, I've been super fortunate to be a part of uh, VC-backed companies from General Catalyst, General Atlantic, um, you know, SoftBank, some of the big VC funds. And and it is certainly an ecosystem of being able to you know do a lot of the um, you know the relationship building and 
challenge building, but then also too, either early on or through the sales cycle, you can kind of leverage those above you to be able to, you know, to, 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 to cross thread and, and, and make a connection that you weren't able to make at the C-suite. I think that's you know, super powerful. Um, there's lots of automation. Um, automation is great. Um, you know, it's, I'll never forget when early on I, I jumped in and utilized HubSpot and there's outreach. There's lots of different ways to kind of, you know, automate outreach, right? And I do think that those tools are powerful, particularly if you're giving people, you know, information that, you know, really helps them resources to help them solve that problem. You're targeting the right persona. But I remember, you know, I, I was so gung-ho. I just, you know, was early on, learned how to use the HubSpot sequencing um, there at Optimize, you know, it was targeted physician practices and, you know, kind of did the A-B testing with different messaging and did a lot of research and, you know, it was on the RPM codes and, you know, kind of had these two lists. I sent one and then sent the other and they're kind of customized. Hey, doctor, blah, blah, blah. Have you heard about the new changes in the RPM code for Medicare and reimbursement? And I was super proud of it. Well, come to realize that 150 of the ones that I sent, I forgot to change the automation. So it said, oh. Hey, it said, Hey, Dr. Pappas, <laughs> you know, cause it was my test one and, and all of that. But, but the funny thing about it is, is of the 150 and then the other 150 sent out, you know, like they were supposed to, you know, Hey, Dr. Smith from, you know, so-and-so medical practice, they actually were automated. I got more responses with the one that I had sent, hey, Dr. Pappas. Now, <laughs> they weren't necessarily the greatest. It was, it was, oh, you're a doctor now. You know, it was like funny, but, you know, the, the, I think the moral of the story for me was is, is there's, no, there's no magic bullet. You know, we're all humans. The people on the other side of sending that, you know, they're human. So, you know, actually I had two or three, you know, people set up meetings because it, you know, number one, knocked them off their pattern. You know, they had some, they, they had some fun at my expense. Right. But at the end of the day, the, 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 the content was valuable. They had, they had read about the RPM codes and the rest of that email was, you know, me being able to add value, add revenue to their practice. But um, I use that, you know, when I'm kind of help building out SDR teams for the early stage sales is that, you know, yes, you don't want to, you know, send something like that to the CEO of a hospital, <laughs> but in the scheme of life, there, there, there's no real way to do it. If you're kind of touch pointing, you're personalizing some things, you're adding value. Um, sometimes I think that we have a tendency to overthink or overanalyze, you know, certain metrics for that outreach, right? Um, I think a lot of times it's, you know, if you can organically interact with people, whether that's LinkedIn, whether that's in person, that's going to be the, the greatest way. Um, I think also, too, some people do a great job of networking and interacting. I think where they where they make their miss is it's kind of, you know, asking for that intro or, you know, saying, hey, I know I can add value. You know, so if you're at a networking event, instead of saying, you know, hey, I'm you know, so-and-so, I think once you have the conversation and, and you know, you can maybe add value, Hey, you know, would, would you, would you mind introducing me, um, you know, to your chief, you know, experience officer, to your director, you know, director of nursing. And, and that's a, that's a fine line, right? You normally have to, you know, uh, use that, but just being able to ask, I think generally I've seen a lot of people are either a willing to have a conversation, um, you know, B, if you can really solve something for them, they'd love to, you know, to have a conversation with you, um, particularly if it's really compelling. Uh, but being able to ask for that, I think, is, is the key myth. I see some of the younger people as they go to the networking event, they connect, and they don't even, they do it authentically. Um, but being able to kind of ask for that and or ask for the business upstream, I think, are key. Um, but uh, I, I'm a student of the game, so to speak. I think that every time I, I, I figure out a technology or uh, or a tactic, I think it's always changing. And so I think also being able to stay up to date um, on on all of those and, and be okay with, you know, with trying and fail. The stake, mistakes are relatively low, um, but I do think that, um, you know, maybe, maybe with the new, you know, the, the, the new chat bot, um, you know, ho hopefully, I, I still, I still believe actually picking up the phone is going to be, um, going to be something that's, that's more and more valuable, right? And, and, and being able to say, you know, hey, I was referred to you and, um, and the, the, the days of automation, I think, and, and spam filters, you know, might, might, might help them with those. Yeah, that Dr. Papa story. I, that's that's pretty funny. Um, but I mean, it's, I mean, that's definitely a. Uh, it definitely probably broke some like what's going on. But no, I mean, I think I love that answer because, like you said, there is no silver bullet, and it just takes time. And I think that you know, I don't want to like sound like you know, get off my lawn type situation. But we do live in an age where we want instant gratification. We want that like, hey, 
you know, I need this sale and whatever. Can you do this and this and this? And like, sometimes I'll get reached out by people and be like, Hey, we're selling, we have this product. Could you introduce us to something? It's like, dude, man, like we haven't even had a conversation yet. Or like, at least get to know me a little bit. Take me out for, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, so I, I mean, I, I, I really do like that answer. I think they're, uh, and, and the thing that you mentioned about, you know, asking, asking for what you want, I was really, I, I'm, I would say I'm still really bad at it, but the one thing I found when I was, when I started down like my networking journey was the amount of people that are willing to help you far outweigh the ones that are not going to help you. And more often than not, they'll say, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, I can make that introduction or yes, I can refer you to this job or yes, I can do this. I mean, but it, it starts off with that genuine connection. Like you mentioned, like you have to make a genuine connection preferably add value, right? You, you can't just be go in and be like, hey, can you do this for me, right? I mean, it has to, you know, in the end, there, there has to be some value given on your end, but there's just so many people out there willing to help like yourself um, and others that um, it's definitely worth a try. And I think that's extremely extreme. If people get one thing out of the podcast, like from this interview, I think that is one of the most important things um, that you can get out of it. Well, and I, th I think being authentic in that approach, right? And, um you know, whether it's in person or LinkedIn, I, I think the best way is, you know, it's, it's sharing content, best practices, articles and research and interacting with, you know, so, so some other people because, you know, you'll never know when that little tidbit or, you know, sharing their article or liking their article or, you know, commenting on that, um, you know, it comes, comes full circle. Um, I also, you know, try to practice what I preach, you know, so when I get, um, you know, when, when I get emails or cold emails, you know, uh, even if it's replying, not interested, hey, check back in Q3, um, you know, I, I try to pay it forward in that regard. And am I, you know, perfect on that? Do I do that? You know, do I have my own, you know, challenges of the day, you know, every single time? Probably not, right? But I think it's twofold. It's, you know, I, I've been fortunate that people have, you know, have either, you know, taken a call um, when it, it didn't necessarily work out, but um, but then I try to, you know, maybe do a couple of those as well. Um, and then I think, you know, you know, one of the things I'm passionate about is I think, obviously helping out digital health leaders, but then also too, I look at somebody like myself that kind of had a unique way entry point um, and was, you know, lucky enough to kind of be immersed in, you know, the, the world of SaaS and digital health sales. And so, you know, what I try to do is, um, is, is help other people that, you know, that want to break into it, at least just understand the lay of the land, maybe make some of those introductions and, um, and, and, and pay it for it that way. But I think being authentic certainly you know, certainly helps. And then also to, um, you know, the, you, your, your network really does help you out. Um, but I think that there's, there's also, you know, other ways, you know, tactically of, of constantly learning and technology is, is, is amazing. I mean, you know, there's some technology that helps, you know, automate some personalization. So there's ways I think that you're able to, you know, to kind of blend the, the human and technology approach. Um, you know, with all that being said, it's really hard, right? It's really hard to uh, particularly, you go from a startup, um, you know, and so that's kind of, you asked last time, I think we, we, we spoke, um, you know, it was one of my goals to, you know, to, to, to build, build, build some content myself, right? I don't, I don't know if I'm going to yeah. jump into the podcast, but I think that, you know, one of the areas that I really want to help people out is, you know, kind of current people that either work for startups in digital health and, you know, help them brainstorm and mastermind and learn from other people. Cause that's been super helpful is even just a perspective of, Oh my goodness, I never even thought about doing that. Um, and yeah. then I think the second area is being able to help people who kind of want to get into this type of, uh, I'm a big believer. I, I love, I love the SaaS side of things, but I, I'm really passionate about healthcare. And I do think that there's some salespeople out there that are maybe thinking about, I don't really like sales. I'm not like a commission only. I do financial advising. Sales isn't for me. And, and, and hopefully I think that being able to, as we're going to need some of those, you know, good salespeople, helping them understand that, um, hey, here's these different avenues to potentially get into the, you know, the healthcare side of sales. Cause I do think that there's, you know, mission driven and there's some ways and people that can you know, excel in this type of sales, um, that don't have it as their, you know, typical sales. So more, more, more to come on that. Right. But that's kind of, you know, where, where I'm trying to build into 2023. Yeah, no, that's, that sounds awesome, man. And I think, I mean, I, I mean, you know, podcasts, you, you're, you know, you're doing great right now. I mean, so I think, you know, in T1, you, you could do pretty bomb podcasts and I, and I've, and I've told you, you know, I think people would probably want to learn, listen to you more than me. So, but no, man, that's, that sounds amazing. And I think, uh, you know, being able to work together and, you know, learn from other mistakes and helping, you know, kind of paying it forward. I try to do that as well uh, with people. But, uh, but no, man, that's, that's amazing. And, um, 
the other thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, you, you have a background in startups and, you know, I love startups as well. And I think it's, it's kind of, and you kind of mentioned it, it's, it's, it's fun, but it's also, I think people that love startups are glutton for punishment, but we just love the process so much that it doesn't even matter. I don't think, I think people that are in startups, yes, the, the end goal matters, but the process is what brings everyone in, right? The, the hyper, the fast pivoting, all this stuff and just strategy road mapping and, you know, some, you know, it's a complete, it's a completely different mindset in the startup world as it is in like enterprise or things but you know can you can you tell us why you love startups or like the startup world in general yeah it's a good it's, it's a good question right and and i i think i tell people that you certainly you know there's multiple different ways i think people there's a difference between you know people being capable and then actually just being able to you know to, to enjoy and, and and execute kind of in, in the startup environment right and you know a good example is you know as much as i love startups right i've never necessarily you know had the calling desire to be the founder myself right and um you know and, and i think that that's a good you know good good distinction who knows in the future i i really enjoy you know working with founders um, understanding, you know, managing with, with their vision. Um, but for me, it's, you know, it's, it's really being able to add my value, you know, early on with the, you know, the sales, you know, the sales process and the startup sales side, which is much different than, again, founding your company, fundraising. Um, so I kind of come at it with a team approach. Um, but, I, but I also, you know, give people advice that, you know, for some, it's, if you're starting your career, jumping straight into, you know, to a startup maybe isn't the best, isn't the best jump because I do think that, you know, you can sometimes miss out on, you know, the training, just the fundamental training of, of doing things. And yes, it's great remote, but, you know, there's a lot of, even in the short time, you know, where I was kind of you know, working for a multi-billion dollar company, I, I got great training. I understand, you know, a lot of kind of, you know, the, the, the day-to-day and, you know, that formalized training. And so some of that's super valuable because, you know, the downside to the startup is, you know, there could be things that, that aren't going well or bad habits, you know, that, that you develop or, you know, lack of coaching, lack of professional development. Now, I do think that you're able to, um, on your own, seek some of those out. Um, but for some people, that's really hard, particularly if I think, you know, when I first started my career, like my ability to, you know, go and seek out professional development, if I wasn't getting it in the startup is probably second to none, right? Um, you know, I, I probably wasn't going to be able to do that. Um, so I think it's a, it's a, it's, it's a trade-off either way. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly don't have, you know, a family and kids. So I think that as you, as you go, you know, further and further in your career, you know, there's trade-offs on, you know, benefits and job security. But, um, but I do firmly believe that, you know, for, for somebody like me, I've, I've enjoyed the, you know, the startup, I, I couldn't imagine going into a bigger company. Um, but there's plenty of people that excel in bigger companies and I don't think that's going to change. And, um, I, I do think that, some people, I, I, I've seen some people kind of come into the startup with, um, and, and no fault to them. I think that they were, you know, sold, sold on the belief, but then they didn't really understand, you know, kind of under the hood, you know, the lack of process or, you know, the lack of that. And so I, I do think that um, there is, you know, particularly with the funding, right? I think it's super hard in that boom of COVID is when you look under the hood and it's hard to look under the hood, particularly when you're going into a different role, you know, what is my real day-to-day going to be? Where are we really at? How many real patients are on the platform? And, um, and, and I think the good companies kind of really are able to articulate, here's where we're at, here's what we're looking for, you know, here's kind of the full transparency of, you know, what your role is going to entail, you know, if you're coming into it, you know that that could change, evolve, but it, at least it kind of meets, you know, expectations or you kind of believe in that, you know, vision, that goal, and you're able to, you know, to be dynamic going through there. But I think sometimes, you know, there's ways where, you know, people try to, um, you know, third startups, you know, make the role look, you know, way better than it is to maybe attract talent. But I think what they, what sometimes, you know, can happen is you attract the wrong talent and then it's a lose-lose for, you know, both the company and, you know, the person kind of coming into that role, right? And so I think I'm, I'm a firm believer of, you know, of giving giving it real and then also, too, um, you know, doing a little bit of you know, diligence of, you know, finding the right person, you know, for the right role where we're at now, right? Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of the recipe I've seen is uh, that team can matter in a startup you, you, you certainly, you know, if you bring five people in there, you, you really need all five to, you know, to be winners, um, you know, whereas some bigger companies sometimes, you know, you can go, um, you know, kind of, you know, four out of five and still be okay. Um, so it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. Who knows what the future, 
and hold, but um, but I've, I've I've been super fortunate to kind of you know learn and be involved in some some really cool startups uh, yeah. on the sales side. Um, yeah, no. One last question uh, that I want to ask before we end this, if that's okay. Um, when how what would you um, as a founder like if you were talking to a founder, a founder came up to you and said, you know, when would you say would be a good time for them to hire a salesperson or start going down like that sales journey? Like you know, when when should they go from them selling to having someone else selling? Mm, that's that's a great question. And I think, I think it's it, it, that answer probably changed. I think you know in the um, you know when, when there's a lot of VC rolling in and, and and those evaluations you know crazy. I think that there was a certain pressure to be able to do that. I think it's even more of an important question now. Um, I, I I I think there's a tendency to want to hire, you know, a kind of a, a VP of sales type leader. Um, when you really just need kind of a full, um, a really good um, end-to-end, you know, kind of strong AE, um, you know, or an AE and an SDR, um, I think what I've seen is, you know, the most successful, the most successful startups um, are understanding, okay, where is, you know, where are we trying to go in 12 months, right? And do we a you know, have customers. If we don't have any customers, then you're going to hire a certain, you know, certain person, or and or maybe, you know, you, you just need to go ahead and do it from a leadership team. Um, I think being able to um, to bring in a first sales hire um, and have somebody, you know, somebody that that maybe has some years of experience, some experience running a full scale, um, you know, from prospecting to close, is going to be important. Um, I, I think too early they sometimes bring in a VP of sales and. Um, he or she is is a dynamic leader, has experience, but you know if they don't have any salespeople, that's that's a whole different you know that's a whole different role, right? They're typically going to help you know a repeatable sales process and you know hire the right people and scale that up. Um, so I think it, it depends on the startup. I've seen it done you know lots of different ways. There's there's no you know one run one right way to do it, but um, I've seen it be super beneficial, particularly if you have you know kind of a more mid market um, really hiring. Um, you know, hiring that person who's maybe a step below, you know, a VP or a director, um, but is, you know, super hungry, knows how to prospect as well as, you know, close. Um, and then I think once, he, you know, he or she can do that, then maybe you actually add a little bit of downstream. Um, and then once you have a repeatable sales process, you understand the metrics, how much does it cost us to acquire, how many touch points is needed, what's our sales cycle, then I think that um, that, that you could do that. And, you know, from what I've seen too, some of the most effective hires, um, and they don't come cheap, are people that can take a company from where they're at and where they want to go. It seems, it seems, you know, pretty matter of fact. But I, you know, I, I see lot, lots of uh, startups, you know, hire for maybe where they want to be, and you know, in in four or five years, right? Um, and that doesn't necessarily help you, you know, in the here and now, right? And so uh, hiring's hard. Um, I've you know interviewed lots of people. I've um, you know, been a part of those, you know, growing startups. Um, there's no, there's, there's certainly no magic bullet for that. Um, but I think it's just making sure that, you know, wherever your, um, your alignment is kind of, you know, fill, fill, filling that gap and, um, you know, finding some of those more hungry, full scale from prospecting to close AE people can, um, can sometimes work out better than, you know, paying an expensive, um, you know, VP of sales until you're kind of ready to get there. Yeah. One more thing. What does AE and SDR stand for? Apologies, right? So now, now I'm really, you know, doing what I what I usually say. I don't, you know, just throwing a bunch of acronyms, bunch, bunch, bunch of sales acronyms, right? You know, um, now, um, you know, SDR or kind of the sales development, you know, reps, right? Um, okay. You know, those those can be a powerful tool. You know, once you kind of you know figure out ways to automate, um, you know, account executives, you know, there's directors, because uh, one of the one of the key things I've seen, Dane, is is a tendency to um, the best salespeople are going to prospect, right? Particularly at a startup and be scrappy, but but you also too you kind of want to going back to that process have a repeatable process to be able to leverage your best salespeople to do what they're very good at doing, which is selling, right? And so particularly you want their 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 most of their time focused on you know in a mid market working those opportunities and closing and then on to the next in, a, in an enterprise you want them kind of you know heavily working on you know lots of different opportunities at once um, and so sometimes i think that the idea um, kind of the old school idea of just throwing everybody into a territory you know building up these big territories and then you know having basically expensive you know people to 
send cold to cold outreach emails isn't necessarily the best strategy from what I've seen, right? And so sometimes I think building out that, you know, touch point or SDR team, maybe it's a little bit more of a junior person, but, you know, they're working kind of in tandem. And so you're driving the demand so that ultimately you have, you know, your, your good salespeople doing what, what they do best, which is you know, talking to customers, solving their challenges, doing discovery versus spending a lot of their time. Um, and there's ways, um, you know, depending on what you sell, who you sell to. Um, but I think that's an effective way of kind of building out, you know, scalability in terms of, you know, as you think, you know, four or five years, um, that's a scalable process um, versus having somebody come in and um, you want them to close, you know, enterprise business, but they spend six months, you know, sending a bunch of cold emails, right? It's not necessarily going to be good for your business or, you know, what they want to do, right? And so, um, you know, there's there's lots of different ways to do it. Um, there's there's certainly no no magic no, no, no magic way to do it, but I think that I've seen you know lots of lots of good you know, good companies kind of scale up that way where, you know, they build the process, particularly if you have you know, if you have aspirations to start with providers, maybe sell into payers, maybe sell into, you know, health systems, maybe, you know, go direct to consumer. Like if you have aspirations of that, I think it's even more critical, you know, to build out the process because, you know, if you get a you know, good group of, of, you know, sales development reps, then you almost can build the process, build the messaging, and then you're just changing. You're, you're changing the payer persona, the health system persona, but that process is going to remain the same and, and be scalable as you grow. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, again, I knew this was going to be an awesome episode and it definitely has delivered. Uh, thank you, Josh, for your time and your generosity. Um, yeah, Norman, thank you so much. And I hope you guys enjoyed that episode.